I would like to take up the book of Ezra as a, a book, as a, as a way forward in a broken day that we're in for God's people to build the house of God. I would suggest it has relevance today. Now some take this just as a thought of personal revival, but I would uh, seek to apply it, and you may judge for yourself whether it's applicable or not. But I think it does have an application to God's people at this time. As, as a company, as gathered together, and I think it has signposts that would keep us in the right direction. And it has warnings of the enemy and of the way he would seek to turn us from this great and glorious object which comes before us in Ezra, the call to build the house of God. So I'd just like to read different sections of Ezra now. And the first one is this, perhaps the most important one tonight, just to think about, is in chapter 1. Now, before I read this, I want to give a little bit of context. God had been so merciful to them time and time again. There had been failure, and then he brought in prophets. Then there had been failure, and he brought in kings, good kings. And then there had been failure... And he brought in restoration. And then they went continually back to idolatry. And as he warned them, he sent them off into captivity. So the children of Israel are in Babylon, in captivity. And it's, and it's because of their unfaithfulness that they're there. And so you have, uh, you have now for maybe... 50 or 70 years they've been in, 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 uh, in Babylon. And uh, now this word comes. <clears throat> and in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, that the word of Jehovah by the mouth of Jeremiah might be accomplished, Jehovah stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia. And he made a proclamation throughout his kingdom and also in writing saying, Thus says Cyrus, <coughs> the king of Persia, All the kingdoms of the earth, Jehovah has, the God of heavens has given to me. And he has charged me to build him a house at Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Whosoever there is among you of all his people, let his God be with him, and let him go up to Jerusalem which is in Judah, and build the house of Jehovah, the God of Israel. He is God, which is at Jerusalem. And whosoever remains in any place where he sojourns, let the men of the, his place help him with silver, with gold, and with goods, and with beasts besides a voluntary offering, which is for the house of God, which is at Jerusalem. So the first part is this amazing call goes out. God moves a, a Gentile king and he pl places this call. He says, 
whosoever there is among you of all his people. I trust everybody here has answered the first whosoever that is in this scripture. In John 3.16, believing and trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ, that's a great call. And the first call that needs to be answered. And what it is to have a sense of God calling you. And it's personal. Whosoever. Whosoever. It's, it's a very personal thing. And God wonderfully calls us. And if you don't know the Lord as your Savior, God, the Lord Jesus is calling today. And we can respond and bow the knee in repentance to him and put our faith in Jesus Christ. But there's a second whosoever here in Ezra. And it's uh, whosoever there is among you. He has charged me to build him a house which is in Judah. Whosoever there is among you of all his people, as God be with him, let him go up to Jerusalem which is in Judah and build the house of Jehovah, the God of Israel, which is at Jerusalem. They were to reorientate themselves to the divine center. There is what God is building today in his church and his people and he would have a call go out to us do you desire to build the house of God well it was a real exercise because they had now had lived in Babylon for, for many years and they had their houses their homes and to go up and to go through to Jerusalem through bandit territory, really, and give up what they had, their comfort, their ease. And when they came to uh, when they came to Jerusalem, it wasn't like when they came to the land. There was already vineyards, and there was already farms, and everything was almost ready to go. But when they would come to Jerusalem, it would be destroyed. It would be in ruins. It would be in pieces. And so... There would be a lot of labor involved. And so it says in the New Testament that any man building, he should count the cost. And they would count the cost. But it's a wonderful thing, a most wonderful thing to have stirred in our hearts as to the house of God. Then it says in verse 5, And the chief fathers of Judah and Benjamin rose up, the priests and the Levites, and those whose spirit God had stirred to build the house of God, which is at Jerusalem. It says, All those whose spirit God had stirred. May your heart, may my heart, be stirred as to God's chief interest here. The thing that is most important to God here is the church. It's so important to him, we learn in Ephesians, that he has set Christ as head over the body. His assembly, which is his body, the fullness of him who is all in all. It says in Ephesians, verse 20, 
is wrought in Christ, raising him amongst the dead, and has set him down at his right hand in the heavenlies above every principality and authority and power and dominion and every name name, not only in this age, but that to come, and has put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over his assembly, which is his body, which fills all in all. So, the wonderful thing is that God has put Christ as head over his body. Now, in the Reformation, the church, like a ship, as one has described it, with a bunch of barnacles, they got back to the matter of salvation by grace. Justification through faith. But they were they were called the reformers. They thought the church just needed some fixing up. But many things had come in still. They they the 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 thought of Christ as the head in heaven and the body here and the, what the church really was <clears throat> really didn't come out till later in the 1800s when when saints began to see yes Christ is our head in heaven and through his headship there is a body here on earth and if we just acknowledge that head and we act in relation to that head we will get the blessing of Christ's headship and wow, tremendous blessing came out, of which that hymn is one of the blessings, the hymn book really, of persons that have enjoyed the house of God in a totally fresh way. They got away from one man ministry, they got each one participating, they got later, generations later, this too fell into failure. Pride came in, as with so many movements of God, and failure came in. But I just felt that even though failure has come in, and even though we are in a broken day, we're helped as we go right back to the original pattern. And that's what they did here. You go back to God's Word, you go back to first principles, you go back to the original pattern. What a glorious thing. Oh, just one other thing. When it was a big thing for them to leave Babylon and go to Jerusalem. It's different than leaving Egypt and moving out. Egypt is more the world and what it has. But Babylon is more the religious side. And corruption has come in, in the church and in Christianity. And the corruption has come in. And, but in Babylon, as we read in verse 11 here, it says, And all the vessels of gold and silver were 5,400, and the whole did Shazbazar bring up when they of the captivity brought up from Babylon to Jerusalem. So there's that which is of value. And today, if we look at Babylon as a picture of, of uh, how Christianity has mixed with the world and what will eventually become the false Babylon, the, 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 the great harlot, there is God's people there. And there's actual people, some caught up in very bad systems, 
but there is God's precious people there. And so these vessels are taken from Babylon to Jerusalem. And that involves a lot of soul exercise. We've done it ourselves. Rika, others, Phil, you know, things come in in Christian companies and it's not right. And you have to stand up. And as you stand up and as you say what is right, sometimes change comes in in a company. Hallelujah. Sometimes it doesn't. And that's how in... uh, that's how the precious vessels are, are taken out of Babylon and brought effectually to the work of God. If you just turn with me to 2 Timothy 2, 2 Timothy 2. So instead of a physical road like the, like the Jews had, there's a moral road that effectively does the same thing. Verse 19 of 2 Timothy 2, Yet the firm foundation of God stands... Having this seal, the Lord knows those that are his. What a comfort this was to Timothy's soul. He's saying, how should the individual act if there's been corporate failure? Well, abide in this. Rest in this. God knows those that are his. That's the sovereign side. Now, on the responsible side, it says, let everyone who names the name of the Lord withdraw from iniquity. So you raise your conscience, you raise your protest, you seek to bring in what is hell. But at some point, if there is no change, it says to withdraw from iniquity. But in a great house, and that's what we have in Christendom today, there are not only gold and silver vessels, but wooden and earthen, some to honor and some to dishonor. If therefore one shall have purified himself from these and separated himself from them, He shall be a vessel to honor, sanctified, serviceable to the master, prepared for every good work. When it uses the word sanctified, in the Old Testament, they would take a vessel and they would put it only for holy use. It was only to be used for for God's service. And that's really the Lord's Prayer in John 17. Sanctify them. Sanctify them with thy word. Make them useful. Well, for us to be useful in the day we find ourselves, we have to move from Babylon situations and have Jerusalem, what God is building before us, and be building. Now, before building the house of God, I just want to back up a little bit on there. From God's side, the Lord says, I will build my church. So there's no question there. The Lord has through his death, and through the coming of the Spirit. There in the the second of Acts, where the Spirit comes, the church was formed, a new vessel, distinct and different from Israel, a vessel. So he, he has made his church. And Hades Gates, in a broad sense, looking at the church universally and what is vitally his, shall not prevail against it. But then we're set in local companies. And that's what Paul says when we go to build. So if you turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, it it, it speaks about in verse 9 that, For we are God's fellow workmen. 
you and I can actually have part in the building of God's house. We are fellow workmen. Pure grace, not based on anything we've done or merited. Fellow workmen, ye are God's husbandry, God's building. According to the grace of God, which has been given to me as a wise architect, I have laid the foundation, but another builds upon it. But let each one see how he builds upon it. For other foundation can no man lay besides that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now if anyone build upon this foundation, gold, silver, precious stone, wood, grass, straw, the work of each shall be made manifest. For in the day shall declare it, because it is revealed in fire, and the fire shall try the work of each one what it is. If the work of anyone which he has built on the foundation shall abide, he shall receive a reward. If the work anyone shall be consumed, he shall suffer loss, though he shall be saved, but as through the fire. Do you not know that ye are the temple of God, and that God's Spirit dwells in you? If anyone corrupt the temple of God, him shall God destroy. For the temple of God is holy, and such are ye. What a powerful section of scripture. Talking about materials now. Saying we can bring what is precious. We can bring what is valuable. But there is a warning here. The house of God is holy. And there's so much going around teaching fads and things that are going around. And he says, if you try to incorporate that into God's church, I will destroy. Now, this is really strong language. Where do you see an example? Ananias and Sapphira were just introducing hypocrisy into the church, right? When it was beautiful and fresh and new. And God took their lives away. There were some who were eating the supper unworthily in Corinth. They were just treating it as a big feast. And they were despising the house of God as much as Belshazzar did just drinking out of the, the holy vessels. Paul says some of you are sick and some of you have died. Because you do not realize the holy character of the house of God. So while this is an incredibly wonderful subject, with wonderful blessing connected with it, we're dealing with the holiness of God. And think long and hard about bringing in to God's people in the circle of the saints what is not according to his word. Think long and hard about that. So materials are important. But guess what? You and I are the materials. And when you realize I'm sent for the building of the house of God, I need materials. Well, what about yourself? Have you been sanctified? Have you followed this moral road that is in 
2 Timothy 2, because this moral road doesn't leave you all alone by yourself. You go through personal exercise. And it says here, But if anyone have purified himself from these and separated himself, he shall be a vessel to honor, sanctified, serviceable to the Master. You actually now can be serviceable. Did you realize that? God wants you free from what is evil before you serve Him. Free from evil associations. Free from... There's stuff inside and out. It says in the next verse, But youthful lusts flee and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace. Then it has the others that come in with those that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. How do you find people who call on the Lord out of a pure heart? You can only do it by doing that yourself. Right? Then you find others. They're in that way. They're seeking to call on the Lord out of a pure heart. And it, it's such a joy. What a wonderful joy it is. You find them with those. You go this moral road. So, what is precious then can move from Babylon to Jerusalem. Can move to a place where it can be involved in the building of the house of God. I can only just touch on little tips here. There's just so much. I would encourage you to dig deeper on this yourselves. And and I've a lot of this material isn't new material either. I myself have got a lot of help from good commentaries and uh, writings like of uh, Darby or Coates or some of the charts. There's good materials out there, but with commentaries, always remember, if a commentary stops you from doing your own personal study, forget it. It should not blunt your own... No, no one man has the whole picture on everything. We are to find ourselves, Christ as our teacher. So, these, these are a great blessing. But your, nothing should short-circuit your personal study. And then you find it then for yourself. And there's a special joy about finding things for yourself too. What these commentaries I find are good for, they put signposts in a good direction. Go, go in this way. And, and, and these scriptures are like signposts in Ezra. This is the direction to go in. So it says here in chapter 3, if we just move along here in Ezra, it says, When the seventh month came, and the children of Israel were in their cities, the people gathered together as one man to Jerusalem. Then stood up Jeshua, the son of Jesodak, and his brethren, the priests, and Zerubbabel, the son of Shetiel, and his brethren, to build the altar of God of Israel, to offer up burnt offerings on it as written in the law of Moses, the man of God, and they set the altar on its base, for fear was upon them because of the peoples of the countries. And they offered up burnt offerings above it, on it to Jehovah, morning and evening burnt offerings. 
So they've moved to Jerusalem. They've moved to, they've left behind them Babylon. They've settled into their cities. And now there's this movement. The first thing we need to do is is to restore the worship of God. Now, it's been very interesting, I believe, in the current situation that has happened that I think Satan and men of the world may be more aware of how vital the worship of God is than believers. You remember that wicked Greek dictator in Daniel 11 sought to shut down the worship of God defile it shut it down completely he recognized that's where the people of God got their strength in order to resist his plans his tactics and his ways we are not strong enough in ourselves to resist the power of the enemy we are not we need God's help we need God's strength And to see the worship of God when all of God's people are praising Him, worshiping Him, putting aside, hallelujah, righteously, all our failure, all our weakness, because of the work of Christ. I read something very touching, or Kirsten did. The humiliation of Christ won Mary's heart. The, the, uh, the glorification of Christ satisfied her soul. And thus, we have union with Christ. So, Christ's death, his humiliation, it wins my soul. He's, what he's done, you look at the loaf and the cup, and you go... Your heart is just bow. What he went, what he endured to redeem your soul. The soul it is costly. The redemption of the soul is costly. And he wins our affections. But in worship, we're to move on to the side of Christ glorified. Christ glorified brought her satisfaction. Here's Mary weeping, right? Here's Mary rejoicing, heading off with the greatest news to to the to the disciples. Her heart's satisfied because she knows a Christ who is out of death. She was her life had fallen apart completely because her life doesn't make any sense without Jesus. I wish that was more my life, but it was hers. Her life falls apart without Jesus. But her life comes together in the most remarkable way with communion with Christ glorified. Oh, it's it's a wonderful thing. And we can touch this in the worship of God. This is why the breaking of bread is so precious. 
And this is why Paul stresses the holiness of the breaking of God. It is not for unbelievers. And later, you see, they had all these people in the countryside coming and say, Oh, we'll help you build your house. And, 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 and uh, we actually worship Jehovah too. Well, it was partly true. So when everybody was thrown out of, out of Jerusalem, they, they, they brought in Babylonian people and put them there. And then the Lord sent lions in that area, and they started eating up people. So they, they were pagans, and they figured, oh, wow, we're on somebody else's God's territory. We better find some Jews. So they found some Jews, and they asked them, you know, you know what, what, what did you do? How did you worship your God? Thanks, Thomas. How did you worship your God? So they, you know, they told them how they worship God. So they they worship God in the sense that, oh yeah, you know, we we got that covered now on our mantelpiece. You know, we we worship God and you know we we give some sacrifices to Him. You know, well there there's there's many there's many uh, Christian companies, you might say, that. Yeah, they, they, they say they oh yeah, we we're Christians, we worship God. But they don't worship Christ exclusively. And even in, in, in the Catholic situation, when you really press it down, they would say, Oh yeah, you're saved by grace and oh yes, you, we believe in the Christ who died. oh yes. But then they also believe all of this and all of this and all of this. If if there is what is defective, if if, if somebody is defective as to the person of Christ and his work. That is so precious. We have to be like the like Ezra and those there and say, no, actually, no. We want you to rightly take part of this. We want you to be a part of this. But it must be on God's terms. And we're not making God's terms here. You can only have fellowship. And you only have and this is why John in his epistle hammers on it so much. He says, I wrote this whole thing so that you know it. Jesus is the Christ, that he is the Son of God, and that you may have life in him. You don't get Christ right. You don't get the life. Very important. And that is to be maintained in the house of God. So those, they rushed up. And then, it says here, when the builders, in verse 10 and 11 of chapter 3, when the builders laid the foundation of the temple of Jehovah, they set the priests in their apparel with trumpets, and the Levites, the son of Asaph, with symbols to praise Jehovah according to the directions of David, the king of Israel. And they sang alternately together, praising and giving thanks to Jehovah, for he is good, for his loving kindness endureth forever towards Israel. And all the people shouted a great shout to the praise of Jehovah for the foundation of the the house of Jehovah was laid. What a wonderful work Paul says. The great, I have been the architect. Very unusual. In a way, Paul is like our Moses. Moses was the great architect in the Old Testament according to the plan. But the foundation is Christ himself. And what a wonderful thing it is, is to seek to build the, the, according to the directions of David, the king of Israel, 
Now, I wanted in at the end just to finish with David because I think he's one that totally had the house of God before his heart and affections. And it's a fine example. Paul, the apostle, is a fine. Timothy is an example. But David, there's something very special. His heart is for the house of God. Now, I, I just want to ask you, is your heart, does this interest you, the building of the house of God? Now, in our day, as for the Hebrews, it was quite a challenge to tell their 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 relatives and friends that us meeting here with just a loaf in the cup is much better than you going down to this incredibly beautiful temple, incredibly garbed priests, choirs, everything there. This is better. We've come to a better offering, a better high priest, a better blessing. Everything is better. How can that be possible? It's embraced in faith. It's enjoyed in faith. There's entrances into eternal life. One of the doors is worship. But I would say practically, a very, especially in our day, a door is suffering. You enter into the presence of God as you suffer for Christ's name. He gives you a sense of his presence. As you stand up for Christ as a young person, right? Right? Take it, okay? And you prove. You see, why did they set up the altar? That's not militarily a good thing. You know, they did the altar, the temple, the wall. Well, my thinking would be like, wall, you know, let's get something firm here, and then temple, and then, you know. No. The best thing you can do in your life is get the worship of God right. It actually provides protection. Picture the children of Israel in the desert, and there's a tower, cloud, and then by night, a tower, Now, if I was abandoned on the hills looking at the Israelites, you know, let's go swipe some of their stuff, I'd be getting second thoughts, you know, that fire, wow. And then the report that the water had spread before them. Awesome. And you think every time when Israel and those feasts, everybody went up. What about their farms? Where about the farms on the, on the edge of where the bad guys were, you know, like the hostile tribes? Something protected them every year when they went up to worship. See, he's it's like a wall of fire. A wall of fire. Now, he allows persecution to come on the people of God. And I think in the end, all of this is good. The turmoil we're going through politically, socially, whatever. The turmoil we find ourselves... It's all good in a way. What it does is it, if, if we can enjoy the world less, 
as we're finding out, just trying once to get out of the country. <laughs> but <laughs> if we're to enjoy the world less, the house of God opens up what is spiritual on a wonderful scale. Amen. Think about that. Right? And then you have something man cannot take away from you. Mm-hmm. They, they said to this man, they caught in, their, in the early church times, no. Well, take away your house. Well, I have a house in heaven. Well, take away your money. Well, okay. Eternal treasures in Christ. We'll take away, you know, we'll take away your life. I, my life was hid with Christ in God. Not just words, that these things become realities, that we really can say these things. I've tested, tested all of, all of this tests me incredibly, but I still feel this has powerful, different thoughts through Ezra have powerful um, implications to God's people at this time in terms of moving forward in terms of giving us some direction. So it says, it keeps saying, the different ones, rose up, and rose up, and rose up. Are you going to rise up? Am I going to rise up? Whose spirit was stirred. And then, they laid the foundation. And there was a great celebration great joy to achieve things together with God's people brings the joy that individual achievement it's wonderful to see for instance somebody coming intelligently into the worship of God they are conscious of Christ at the right hand of God, they're worshiping somebody who's on the other side of death. They're laying out their appreciation of the Lord Jesus Christ. See, it says they sang alternatively. And someone has suggested that it's like when somebody contributes in the worship of God, it affects the soul of another person, which affects the soul of another This is again one of the prime features of the house of God is the liberty of the Holy Spirit. I'll give you a picture. In the Old Testament, when Jacob went to was looking for a bride, he came to Rachel, and where they where she was, they had a they had a rock, they pulled aside, let it, all the sheep drink the water, and then they put the stone back. And that's what I think human structure does. It limits the flow of the Holy Spirit. It's done in this way, in this way, and this is done. And there's no room for spontaneity. There should still be form. We need form. But the the liberty of the Holy Spirit. What a wonderful thing to honor the Spirit of God. To make way for the Spirit of God. This builds up the house of God. Then when you think about it, if the house of God is my primary 
goal. How does this affect my time? How does this affect my resources? How does this affect my study? And in what way is the gospel related to the house of God? Well, the gospel is what obtains the materials for the house of God. So it's actually very important. So you're preaching the gospel in view of persons becoming part of this great and glorious house of God. So all of those boards that stood in the tabernacle all the way around, you know, they were boards, but once they were side by side, all put side by side, all in sockets of silver, and that those those bars that held them all together, they formed the house of God. What a picture. What a picture. We need one another side by side with one another. We provide strength and stability together organically for the house of God. But where do these boards come from? Where do these materials come from? From the proclamation of the gospel. Now, usually when we think of the gospel, we think of come to us. But generally in the scriptures, it's go to them. Speak to your neighbor. Speak to your co-worker. They, they had one, I was down at uh, some one talk and they said, you know, how many have been converted through a TV program? And, you know, out of a hundred, maybe three, four hands went up. And he says, well, it's, it's good, but, you know, how many millions of dollars were spent on TV programs? And how many from radio programs? It was higher. It was perhaps the word. But how many from a friend, acquaintance, or a neighbor? 60% of the hands. That's where it's at. It's the people in your circle. It's the people you're in contact with. The people that can see a demonstration of Christianity. If you're living in that kind of communion with God, it will have an effect. You don't have to make it have an effect. You'll be becoming happily, probably not even known to yourself. As you're more in the Word, you are becoming life of Christ. And it's attractive. You think about it. Christ himself, people came to the Lord Jesus Christ. He was the most approachable. Now people of all sorts of conditions, people in all sorts of states cried out to him. That's our Savior. The Lord Jesus Christ. So, the gospel is very much related to the house of God. What about my marriage? Oh yeah, that's related to the house of God. See where this whole principle of headship works out in our marriages, in our family, works out a household. You see, he and his house stood up. He and his house stood up. The chief fathers, you know, the, the men are in their place here. They're, they're giving good leadership. Of Benjamin, Judah rose up. And then the priests, that's persons who are thinking for God. And Levites, that's the actual hard work it takes. They did the physical stuff. Now, the, the study of the scripture, taking time to, 
visit people, taking time to, 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 um, you know, have Bible studies, to, to minister to people. This is all involves labor. This all involves labor, and the tendency is, is. After we know that we are certain that we're saved, the tendency is to level off and say, you know what, I'll try to enjoy the best of both worlds here, the best of, the best of heaven and earth, you know, I've got this secured, that's not it at all. And Paul was almost in tears at the Corinthians, he says, you mind earthly things, and you don't care about the heavenly things. And then right in this book, <coughs> the reason they thrived in the building of the house of God, it's just they listened to the prophetic word which came through Haggai and Zacharias. He stirred them up. Why are you living in fancy houses when the house of God is at waste? And why are you filling your money in a bag which has holes? Stirred them up. And they were stirred up. And that in spite of a negative edict from the state, which is interesting too. Many times when they were stirred up, there was actually a negative edict from the state saying, don't do that, and they were. And God said, why aren't you doing that? And then they come up and say, well, who's doing this? And you're doing it against the king's edict? And they said, and what are your names? You know, I always want to hear names. <laughs> and he said, uh, but it says God's eye was on them. And he protected them. And he kept them. So yes, we get discouraged. We get downcast. Absolutely. And then they hired people to purposely discourage them. And purposely cause them to be downcast. See, once you get in this work, oh, Satan. You can see in Ezra, they jump in. They try to, first they try to get them to compromise then they try to get them to actually... Then they hire counselors to frustrate their purposes. All of these things. And we do, as God's people. How, how many times you've poured a lot of time and energy into a person and then they've just apparently gone off into the world or just thrown it overboard. And, oh Lord, I've just wasted all the time. And then you get discouraged. No. No, we keep planting seed. We keep building. We keep building. We keep... What, Paul, look at Paul would be discouraged. It says all in Asia have gone away. It wasn't that they didn't become Christians, but they left the thoughts that Paul had as to the church. And they began developing what ended up in a very idolatrous Christianity that the Lord chose to remove through the incredibly ornate churches and all of this kind of stuff. So yeah, we can get discouraged. We can get downhearted. But we can also be a joint of supply. So I just want to speak, I just want to touch on a couple scriptures that speak of the house of God in a New Testament sense. If you turn with me to Ephesians chapter 2, and verse 18. Ephesians 2, it says, uh, verse 14, For he is our peace, 
who has made both one and broken down the middle wall of enclosure, having annulled the enmity in his flesh, the law of commandments and ordinances, that he might form the two into him, in himself into one new man, making peace that he might reconcile both in one body to God by the cross, having by it slain the enmity, and coming he has preached the glad tidings of peace to you who are far off, and the glad tidings of peace to those who were nigh. For through him we have both access by one spirit to the Father. So then ye are no longer strangers and foreigners, ye are fellow citizens of the saints and of the household of God, being built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the cornerstone, in whom all the building fitted together increases into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom ye also are built together for a habitation of God in the Spirit. The thought of the one new man is a corporate thought. He's, he's taken Jew and Gentile and made one out of them both. And the thought of this building up in this house, we are it increases together increases to a holy temple in the Lord in whom ye also are built together a habitation of God in the Spirit. What an elevated way to think of God's people. A holy habitation of God. Wow. And to respectfully treat one another as valued stones in that glorious building. And we're fitted together the Spirit of God, and He rebukes sin in our life, and He exalts Christ. And He forms us so that we can fit in with one another as we allow Him to do His work in our lives. And then when we come together, we can be of encouragement and support, and we can have this unity together and touch this wonderful so there's a wonderful thought here you're built a habitation of God in the spirit and Phil reminded us in his word uh, last Lord's Day 2 I'd like to touch in Ephesians 3 verse 9 to enlighten with the knowledge of what the administration of the mystery hidden throughout the ages in God has, who has created all things in order that now the principalities and authorities in the heavenlies might be made known through the assembly, the all various wisdom of God according to the purpose of the ages which he purposed in Christ, in Jesus Christ our Lord. So he said that the all various wisdom it, it comes out. Now God's wisdom comes out through His church. An awesome thought. The, this mystery, this, this thought that was never known, the head in heaven, the church here below, and right here, right now on earth, we can prove the wisdom of heaven 
as acknowledging the headship of Christ. What a blessed thought. All blessing coming forth, all various wisdom of God, according to the purpose of the ages. That Christ may dwell in faith through your hearts, be rooted and founded in love, in order that you may be able to apprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length. We need each other for this apprehension of the house of God, of the things of God. What is the breadth and length like to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge and to be filled even to the fullness of God. But to him that is, and Paul finishes with praise, and I'd like to finish with praise here too. But to him that is able to do far exceedingly above all that we ask or think, according to the power which works in us, to him be glory in the assembly. Interesting. In Christ Jesus, to all generations of the age of ages. Amen. So to come back to the beginning, there's a wonderful call going out. Whosoever will come to build the house of God. What a call. And it's a movement from Babylon to Jerusalem, the divine center. And it involves the worship of God. It involves the building up of his people. It involves persons that are concerned about what is due to God. And it involves persons that are willing to do the labor to bring it about. Well, may it be so. In our day, for his name's sake. Amen.